If you love the History Extra podcast, make sure you follow us to keep up to date and get all the latest episodes. Thanks for your support, and I do hope you enjoy this episode. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash History Extra. Just go to Indeed.com slash History Extra right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hola. Hello. This call is being translated. Abuela, listen to what my phone can do. Abuela, escucha lo que mi teléfono puede hacer. Wow. Ahora dime sobre tu novia nueva. Wow. Now tell me about this new girlfriend. Huh? Tú sabes lo que dije. You know what I said. Language is no longer a barrier. Thanks to Live Translate with Galaxy AI on Samsung Galaxy S24 Ultra. Learn more at Samsung.com. Samsung account login required. Calls must be made using the native Samsung dialer. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations at Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Hello and welcome to the History Extra podcast from BBC History Magazine, Britain's best-selling history magazine. I'm Ellie Cawthorn. Today sees the publication of a brand new historical romance novel, Her Heart for a Compass. Following the story of a young Victorian aristocrat with royal connections, it's co-authored by another figure known for her royal connections, Sarah Ferguson, Duchess of York. I spoke to her along with her co-author Marguerite Kay to find out more. So thank you both for joining me to discuss your new historical romantic novel, Her Heart for a Compass. So it follows the free-spirited Victorian noblewoman, Lady Margaret Montague Scott, as she attempts to shake off some of the suffocating restrictions of the royal court. So the book opens with Margaret making a fairly bold decision, I think it's fair to say, and running away from her own engagement party. I wonder if you can start us off by setting the scene for us and describing where the story begins. Well, yes, I would like to um, say that this Her Heart for a Compass is uh, a page turner. And uh, when I decided that 
it needed to be written, I went and chose the finest uh, person to learn how to write a novel from, and that was Marguerite Kay. And not only did I realize in collaborating with such uh, an extraordinarily talented author, I was also able to make a wonderful friend. So I will go back to your question, Ellie, because when you ask how did it all start and and why did it start like that is because I used to say to Marguerite, now, I think that she ought to uh, run along the pavement and slip over um, a slimy cobblestone. And, and then she meets a man who's, who's selling matchboxes because he's a soldier from the Crimea. I mean, is that possible, do you think? Do you think we can do this? And I would be so into the part of Lady Margaret running away from her own engagement party. Uh, and it was, of course, so not done in 1870. And, and, of, and of course, I also love this period in history. Uh, having done Young Victoria with Emily Blunt and Rupert Friend, I have been doing a lot of research in Victoriana from for the last 20, well, 30 years, really. And so, therefore, this, for me, was just encapsulating an enormous uh, embrace of escapism. It is just extraordinary because, of course, each page, uh, Marguerite and I went in very deep about, you know, how, what we felt, what we smelt, what was the costumes like, how did she, how did Lady Margaret manage? What was, did she, did she really have her eyelashes dyed? Of course she didn't, but I did when I was little. Um, when I was 15, I had my eyelashes dyed. But we used, um, but in the book, Margaret would go, don't worry, I've got this. I've got this. We've got some charcoal uh, powder. And then I said, well, then Lady Margaret needs to do that. And Margaret would say, no, 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 that wasn't until... <laughs> <laughs> the next century you know but but it was a real collaboration of fun and uh and and that's how that that, that from my side that answers the first question but over to you marguerite <laughs> okay i think yeah i think what the duchess wanted um was something really dramatic to start to kind of throw us into the book um and she's got a very um filmic um way of describing things as you've just heard she has really clear view of what she wanted um, and and then we had quite a bit of fun actually trying to put that into like well okay, at the start of the book where is Margaret actually in her life um, without sort of jumping too much backwards in time. Um, I think actually the book started originally in our thoughts much earlier in Margaret's life so we could kind of tell the story of how Margaret got to be where she was and then we realised that was a little bit boring and we wanted to kind of jump off it, as you said, quite a, a dramatic point. Um, where Margaret's got to at that point is is really where she is for a lot of the book. She's a young woman who comes from an incredibly privileged background, um, who is expected to do nothing more than to make a marriage that will suit the ends of her family, go off and produce children that can then be married off. Um, and Margaret is just not interested in, in that kind of life. Um, and and really, th that's what she's doing at the, at the start of the book is trying to throw the shackles off. And and for much of the rest of the book, that's what she has to work really hard to do. As she gets older and realizes there's better ways um, to, to 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 achieve what you want to do than to just run run away and hide in 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 the, the dark of a London night and put yourself in danger. 
So Margaret is is an intriguing character because she is partly inspired by a real ancestor of yours, um, Duchess. How did you find out about Margaret, first of all, and what was it about her that intrigued you and made you think she'd be a great subject for a historical novel? Well, I um, am fascinated by... Th- I call it the voice of silent whispers. I'm fascinated by very strong women that really have never had their voice in their own lifetime. So I have been spending a lot of time in the past researching uh, Louise, the mother of Prince Albert. Mm -hmm. And I realized that this dear lady had uh, died without, at a very young age, without really fulfilling her strength and her and her her magic and her humor and her laughter and i realized that that it was time to bring louise onto the back back to life again through the grave so when i wanted to bring lady margaret my middle name is margaret mm. uh, i think i was named after this great great ancestor of mine in the book and by my grandmother you know my family and so i wanted uh, when i thought well there must be a redhead somewhere around in my family so when we researched and found lady margaret who's fabulously redheaded and um and th- that she was, you know, a very strong lady. I thought, I mu- this must be an ancestor of mine, and sure enough, it was. Also, the interesting thing is, is the BBC asked, oh, we'd love to do the show, Who Do You Think You Are? And I would still love to do it, by the way. Um, and in when they came to us, they said, we'd really love to do the show. And I thought, well, hold on a minute. Why don't we research uh, my own ancestry and find all these strong women through my line right the way back to the 15th century. And so then I researched and found Lady Margaret. And of course, I've wanted to do my lovely Lady Margaret and do her justice um, since then. How much of Margaret's character, how much actual information about the historical real Margaret did you have? And how much is kind of your imagination that you're bringing to it? <laughs> well, as um, as we know that that through life we all experience with experiments and mm-hmm. experiment with experiences. And uh, so it's very, it, it's very much that the reader can be, the, 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 the imagination of the reader is taken to the pages, through the pages of, of her heart for a compass, because Marguerite and I really want the reader to, um, to jump into each line and to really be part of the journey with us. So a lot of the times I'd say to Marguerite, no, 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 but surely he should kiss her there or surely he should do that to her there or something. And she'd say, no, 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 no. That's not how it's done. You've got to not let your imagination go quite so bonkers as you are going. In answer to your question, yes, Lady Margaret was very much, um, there's lots of parallels with my life. And of course there is, uh, but that is what it's about. But it's a place where I'm free because of Lady Margaret being a very strong lady to use her to get uh, a lot of good, of my voice out really as well we didn't know a lot about lady margaret which is one of the reasons obviously the duchess has said she was attracted to her but we have stuck to what we do know so um one of the most intriguing things we found out about her was that she didn't marry um till quite late in life she was uh 27 um when she got married which for a woman from you know her background um that was actually very unusual and she she probably made her come out much earlier probably she came out in, in the London season about when she was 18. We know um, 
very little other than that. We know who she married. We know how many children she had. We know she was a bridesmaid um, at the wedding of Princess Helena. Um, and we know she was probably quite friendly with Princess Helena because there are letters, although what we've done in the book has made her more friendly with uh, Princess Louise. Um, but other than that, what we've tried to do is, is, is imagine the life of that kind of young woman. Then imagine the kind of woman who would protest against that, who didn't want that life, even though she was raised to it, and, and, and what would happen to her. Um, so, yes, a lot of it is, is a, you know, a figment of the Duchess and I's imagination, but it's in, it's in a, a historical context. And where, where we've got facts, we've used them. One of the, the central themes, of course, as you've discussed, is this the suffocating royal regimes and the protocols uh, of the court that Margaret wants to escape. Can you give us a sense of what those would have involved um, at the time and what it would have been like to, to be a young woman living under those kind of restrictions? Okay, so she would have been brought up to be a wife and a mother. Um, she would not have had an education. She would have her education would have been about how to paint and draw and how to dance and how to please a man in 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 a very vague sense. Um, she would have been introduced to the London Society when she was 17. Um, she would be present or 18. She would have been presented at court. And we do have the court presentation scene in the book. And all of the detail of that is authentic. Um, but she would not have been given any real freedom. She would never have been allowed to be on her own in public. She would always have had a maid or her mother or an old aunt. She wouldn't have ever been allowed to be alone in a room with a man, even when she was engaged. She, it's unlikely she would have known very much, really, about anything in, in terms of marriage or childbirth. None of these things would have been discussed. So she would have been, it's difficult to believe, but she would have been incredibly innocent um, incredibly naive, incredibly protected, and at the same time so privileged. But she wouldn't have known that she was privileged because she wouldn't have been allowed to mingle with people who didn't have that. Her her society would have been very, very confined and constrained. Um, so, of course, when Margaret wants to see more of the world, which she does um, in, in London by going to work in Lambeth in a, in a, a working-class area, and she starts to find out things that her eyes are so opened wide. Um, and she she realises that instead of becoming a wife and a mother, she could make a difference in other ways. She wants to do something with herself. She wants to, to contribute to the world. And that's where she comes to the scene with her father and says, no, um, I don't want to get married. I want I want to be of use. And, and the irony is that her father is an incredibly... Um, well-known philanthropist who 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 you know who's, who did lots of good deeds all the time but he he wouldn't hear of his daughter contributing in that way at all because that was you know that wasn't her place her place was to get married so the idea of a, a young woman like that confronting her father who owned her you know who who could do what he wanted with her um is actually incredibly shocking and it must have taken an incredible amount of willpower <laughs> Still to come on the History Extra podcast. Every time I am lucky enough to be close to Her Majesty, I, I'm making it a memory of history. This is this this is a historical moment, and I'm living it. And I simply have to pinch myself. 
We don't always realize just how much our negative thoughts and experiences stick with us and weigh us down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mum does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger. Talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapists anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash history extra today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash history extra. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash History Extra. Just go to Indeed.com slash History Extra right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hola. Hello. This call is being translated. Abuela, listen to what my phone can do. Abuela, escucha lo que mi teléfono puede hacer. Wow. Ahora dime sobre tu novia nueva. Wow. Now tell me about this new girlfriend. Huh? Tú sabes lo que dije. You know what I said. Language is no longer a barrier thanks to Live Translate with Galaxy AI on Samsung Galaxy S24 Ultra. Learn more at samsung.com. Samsung account login required. Calls must be made using the native Samsung dialer. Duchess, you've spoken about how Lady Margaret as a character and the story that you've created for her, how there are parallels with your own life experience. I mean, the red hair and the eyebrows, uh, eyelashes as a starter. Um, I wonder if you could just talk a little bit more about that and how it, that inspired you. I, I've always found it really extraordinary how... Uh, the other day, someone sent me a postcard of very strong, red-headed people. And on it, I kept looking to see where I was. And I don't <laughs> understand why nobody is really focused on the fact that that being a redhead from, from the minute you're born to still being redheaded at 61 is really extraordinary. You, you never are anonymous <laughs> because whenever you walk into a room everybody always remembers you because you've got red hair so you do you do always stand out now add that to be, becoming a princess and then add that to uh to life on the public stage it's really I, I'm really excited uh, that I'm talking to you today I'm very proud that uh, you have done this podcast. I, I really am. And I'm, I'm more deeply proud of the fact that I'm a first-time novelist and that Lady Margaret has come to life because I really want to say to anybody out there that, that no more, don't put baby in the corner, as they say in Dirty Dancing, because it's really strong to come out as, uh, as a woman with a strong voice. And I think thanks to Lady Margaret, I've been able to 
be exactly who I am, Ellie. I am Sarah, and I'm Sarah Margaret, and Lady Margaret has, with the help of Marguerite, push me. So there is great, uh, in her heart for a compass, Lady Margaret and Sarah Margaret are very united. But um, we also see, as you mentioned, Marguerite, a, a more kind of dingy and dangerous side of Victorian London. And you were saying that this is a period that you really um, are intrigued by in history. Can you paint a picture for us of that that side of London? I mean, obviously Dickens has done that all the time. But I mean, Dickens kind of focuses on the seamier side of 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 poor London, and then what interested us was the, the the poverty in London that wasn't to do with necessarily with with the underworld. It was how working class people were struggling to 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 get by. It was the living conditions that working class people were actually having to put up with. Um, what was their life every day? What happened if one of them was sick? Um, who went to work? What kind of work did they do? And um, what was what was it like as a woman? Um, in in working class London, um, so we didn't. Although there are there are some sort of senior characters in the book, we wanted to focus on those who were who were in Dickens's terms or in in the terms of the 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 time the deserving poor rather than the undeserving poor. Um, it, the the contrast between Lady Margaret's life and the life that she sees in Lambeth, the life that she then sees in in the poorer areas of Dublin, and the life that she goes on to see in Five Points in New York. Um, are extraordinary. Um, the the smells were one of the things that, that, that the Duchess was absolutely fascinated by. Um, you know the, the the fact that London was the whole embankment was getting dug up to put a sewage system in. The the, the stink of the the river, even though it was past the year of the Great Stink, the smells of the river so bad that you couldn't open the windows. Um, the the state of the streets. Um, that that. The rich people kind of just tripped from their house into their carriages, but the poor people had to survive um, and, 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 and live in and endure. Um, the plight of children, the fact that, you know, education was almost non-existent for most of them, the fact that they could be imprisoned for theft, the fact that they had to, to, to steal some of them in order to survive. And again, back to the, the, the issue of women, um, the women who died in childbirth, the sufferings that they, they went through after childbirth, the, the fact that they are, the, the irony of the fact that in, in the book, um, for example, um, Julia, Lady Powers Court, is desperate to have children. Um, the maid in the book in, from Dublin, her mother has had so many children that she's she's ill all the time. You know, you know what is highly desirable in one side of the, of, of the coin is, is, is something that's life and death in another and yet it's childbirth that brings them all together. Um, you know, childbirth is a, is a recurrent theme in the book. People who can't have children, people who have too much children. The fact that Victorian society in high society wouldn't even admit they were pregnant, you know, when they had to, to kind of wear corsets. And yet on the other side that, that Margaret sees in Lambeth, it's, it's quite naturally a topic of conversation that comes up all the time. Well, that was also um, it also we we really instill that when uh, Lady Margaret goes to suddenly open her eyes when she meets Father Sebastian and and and, and when she gets out of the carriage and she luckily had her little nosegay with her and then she was asked to change a nappy. I mean, what on earth are we talking about? And she she she'd look at it and go. Oh my gosh! I have nowhere to start. I don't know where to start. And then, uh, and then I th- I found that very interesting. That of course it, I put myself in her shoes uh, in that period, 
uh, and I, and where would she? No one's told her. No one's taught her. But why has no one brought her up to understand what's going on in the world? What's going on in the Crimea? Why why is everyone shielding her from what real life is about? And uh, and so I find that very interesting. All these things um, really, we 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 just we just threw ourselves into the description and and the love of this extraordinary character, Lady Margaret. Yeah. I think I think Lady Margaret's curiosity is one of the things that comes directly from the Duchess, you know, <laughs> and the, the 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 questioning why 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 what is this without you know instead of just wanting to to be told what the rules are, Lady Margaret just says what why is that what is that and and the Duchess's curiosity <laughs> about history comes came over to me loud and clear when we were working and I think it comes over loud and clear in talking about the book. Why is that? How does that feel? What does that smell like? And these are the kind of questions she was asking all the time that we've tried to answer in the book. Um, I, th- I think that it's clear, isn't it, that people really continue to love historical romances, especially ones with a strong female lead. So, I mean, recently we've seen shows like Bridgerton become absolute smash hits. Why do you think it is that historical romance... Um, is still so popular. The reason why I chose Mills and Boone is because they have, since 1908, I think, I might might check that exact date, but they have managed to change millions of people's lives. And it's a, 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 a way of escapism. And I am absolutely honoured to be part of an organisation that can give a sense of another way of looking at life. Now, Marguerite's written 58, 59 books, but any minute now, Marguerite will interrupt and say, actually, it's 65, thank you. Because <laughs> um, no, she will. No, no. She's, a, she's a good Scottish lass. She gives me a good, a good hard time when I deserve it. And and uh, it's just that I think that it, for me, I am when you drive along a road and you look at... Um, a cathedral or a building, you think, well, I wonder who built that? How did they build it? What what year did they build it? And how did they get the, the, the clock tower to look like that? So I get fascinated and curious in every single detail of people's brilliance throughout the ages, because I simply don't understand. And that brilliance is inspires me to never give up. So if I was asked, who is my greatest mentor? It would be the Queen of England because uh, I mean it's just incredible, uh, incredible. I'm every time I am lucky enough to be close to Her Majesty, I, I'm making it a memory of history. This is this is this is a historical moment, and I'm living it. And I simply have to pinch myself because there is no greater uh, support or example of strength and and actually bringing history to life is is in fact her majesty so i um having i suppose done young victoria written the two history books about the young victoria and had an oscar winning film because of it it really has encaptured me well i just i just wonder as well whether there are any um you know bits of historical fiction especially royal stuff whether it's um you know books or telly or films that have inspired you in writing this book or that you thought that's the gold standard for doing that kind of thing? We definitely have seen this book as a film and um, mm. when we've been working on it. That's that's how, the, as I said earlier, the Duchess has got a very filmic mind. I tend to think of when I'm writing a scene of it as a film 
in my head. So um, we have always imagined how this would be um, in a series or a film. Um, but I don't think we've used anything as a model um, in particular. I mean, we, we, we see it as it's got all the elements of what people like. To go back to your question about why do people like historical romances or historical sagas, um, there's the escapism, of course there's the escapism. There's the, the there's the colour, there's the, the buildings, there's the costumes, there's all of that. But there's also, I think, almost a sense of things don't change because the dilemmas that people are dealing with are the same, you know, in essence, when their emotional dilemmas 100 years ago, 200 years ago and now. Um, so there's a, a sort of almost a comfort, I think, in, in, in historical romance, you know, that things, that things are, are constant, although what you've got is a backdrop of fantastic scenery and history and, and all the rest of it. And, and, you know, even in the historical romance genre, some of it has got a lot of history in it, some of it doesn't have as much. Um, we, went for, we went for overload on lots of history in this one. One of my final questions, I just wanted to ask you, if somebody, you know, goes to a bookshop and picks up her heart for a compass, what would you want them to take away from the book? Um, well, I'll jump in there quickly, Ellie, to say if somebody leaves the bookshop with a clutching our beautiful book in their shopping bag, I would like them to go away knowing they're going to be taken on a journey, a journey of escapism into another period of history, but be inspired to be modern and learn from Lady Margaret how, can, how they can change their own lives. I'd like them to take away an interest in the period and in the history and in the in the women in particular in the book, um, because there are a number of real women in the book as well as, as some of our imagined characters. And to, to kind of be curious, to, I want I want to people to have a really good read, but I also want to make them curious. Finally, um, you've obviously massively enjoyed your your experience of writing historical fiction. So can we expect to see anything more like this from you? Will we see any more of your ancestors' lives fictionalised, for example? Well, uh, I'm, I've been told that we're allowed to say, we are allowed to hint, uh, Marguerite, apparently, uh, we've been allowed to hint that... Uh, there is a, f a future very soon to come again to your bookstores globally. <laughs> yeah. So, Ellie, we will be talking again very soon. And, yes, we are uh, really going to keep inspiring each other and growing in a friendship, Marguerite and I, into bringing more magic to people's lives. That was Marguerite Kay and Sarah Ferguson, Duchess of York. Their historical novel, Her Heart for a Compass, is out now, published by HarperCollins, and you can find a link in the show notes. Thanks for listening. This podcast was produced by Benuit, Jack Bateman and Brushney Collie. We'll be back tomorrow with an episode on India's mid-century glamour couple. <laughs>